couple of months ago, I was in the States and I was there for a conference and speaking at a couple of churches and having some meetings with various people around uh, different parts of, uh, of the West Coast. And one of the guys I met with is a buddy of mine named Tim. Tim, uh, together with his wife, uh, currently live in Southern California, in a part of Southern California is Orange County. It's a very uh, affluent part of Southern California, very affluent part of, uh, of America, actually. And uh, meeting with Tim at a coffee shop, and, uh, and he told me in advance, he couldn't wait to, 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 to meet up with me because he had a little gift for me. He'd, he'd gone and found some uh, aged Italian, aged balsamic vinegar not the stuff you get at Coles that that this is stuff it's like it's been aged for for, I think this was this was aged for 25 years and uh when it's in in a beautiful little little uh, gift box and little beautiful little uh, uh bespoke um uh pouring jar and and this stuff the aged balsamic the real stuff um comes out like like honey it's like and it's, it's kind of sweet and a little bit astringent and it, amazing. And uh, Tim couldn't wait to, to see me, so he'd give me this gift. And I said to him, you know, no kidding, Tim, where in the world, where did you find this? Because there, I mean, there are no Italians in Orange County. It just, there just aren't any. If there are, I haven't met any. And he said, uh, he said actually, now Tim works as a youth pastor in a, in a church there. Uh, called North Hills, and um, he said, actually, the district superintendent of my denomination is an Italian boy named Tony Cerverro, and uh, he knows this place, and I'm like, yeah, okay, he's a good friend to have, so uh, he took my buddy Tim to this place, and it's a, a completely everything, all things Italian food place shop in Orange County, and you've got to know someone to, to find it, but uh, my buddy Tim, he knows someone. And I said, wow, you know, tell me more about this guy, Tony. I'd love to meet him someday. And Tim, you know, just told me a bit of his story. But apart from the fact, I mean, two things about this guy, Tony's story that stood out for me. One is that he knows where to find good Italian food items. It's worth remembering. The other thing Tim said to me, he said, uh, when, when, Tim, when, when Tony was born and, 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 and growing up as a young boy, the bones in his legs weren't formed properly, so he, he couldn't walk. This was Tony's story growing up. He couldn't walk. And then at, at one point, I, I, I can't remember the age, but at one point in Tony's life, people started praying for him, for, for a miracle, that, that, that he could, at some point, somehow, his, his bones in his legs... Would, uh, would, would, would allow him to walk. Now, we know that that doesn't happen, right? You know, if you're born without the, the bone formation in such a way that you can't walk, we know that that's, that's your lot in life. That, that's just how it is. Well, that's not how it is for Tony because someone prayed for him, for his legs, for the bones in his legs, and the bones grew to normalcy in response to these prayers. And Tony, you, you, there's no evidence today. He, he walks and runs and does everything that, that someone with normal bones does because he's now got normal bones. Pretty cool, hey? Yeah. We call this a miracle, right? Yeah. 
We know, we know this in churchy world. We, we say, that's a miracle. And uh, what's interesting is some churches don't actually believe in miracles. They, they actually teach that miracles were for, for when Jesus was around and when he died and went to heaven, that was it. That's the last one. It's, it's the end of the story. Well, try telling that to Tony. He doesn't believe that. And if anyone ever says that to you, tell them to read their Bible because the Bible doesn't say that either. Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he said, whoever believes in me, he was, a, he was, he was going around like a rock star doing miracles, causing blind people to see, people that couldn't walk to walk, to walk for the first time. He even rose someone from the dead, went to a funeral, spoiled the whole party. They brought all this food for the wake. No wake. The guy came awake. I'm going to talk about that in a few weeks' time. Jesus said, uh, while he's doing all this stuff, he said to his, his followers, he said, if you believe in me, you'll do even greater works than I'm doing because I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit. I'm only one person. I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit. He's going to be everywhere. Miracles are very, very real. They're very, very important. They're very, very current. And they're very much something that we are promised can become normal, can become regular, can become something that we can expect God to do in our lives. And so this month, I mean, it's the last, it's, it's technically still May, I get it. But let's pretend it's June. Say, we're saying for the month of June, we're declaring this, a month of miracles at Elevate Church. A month of miracles through Elevate Church. And we're going to look over these next six weeks at six miracles that Jesus performed. And we're not looking at this like a history lesson. Okay, reading six stories and bravo Jesus. We're going to be looking at these stories and, and taking the opportunity to see our faith built. Taking the opportunity to, to see our understanding of how God works. We don't understand it all. Okay? I don't know how Tony's legs grew back, but I mean bones grew, but they did. But but we can build some understanding of how we can position ourselves for miracles. How we can position ourselves to experience miracles. Let me let me just get a little bit of a pop quiz going here. How many of you over this next four to six weeks? need a miracle in your life. Okay? Now, I assume the rest of you, that means you're, you're really happy with everything in your life. You don't need anything to get better. You're not asking God for more. You reckon it's as good as it gets. Well, that's really sad. Man, I need miracles. I, I got a list. And this month, I've already, I mean, I knew what we were teaching on, so I've already shoved my list under God's nose. He's already got the memo. But for you, if you need a miracle, you might need a miracle financially. You might need a miracle relationally. You might need a miracle in your health. You might need a, a miracle in your job or your career. You might need a miracle of clarity and wisdom in a situation that you don't know what the next step needs to be. Whatever that is. Or if there's a list, cool. This month... Our prayer for you is that you will get greater, greater understanding of how God works, how Jesus does miracles, and how you can position yourself to better receive that miracle. 
And I'm going to love hearing stories over this month. I'm going to love hearing stories from our Elevate groups about people who had their miracles answered. It's going to be exciting. You good for that? Well, let's uh, kick it off this morning. One of the very, 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 very cool miracles. This is a story that Mark recorded. and It's very early in Jesus' uh, uh, career as the savior of the world. Okay, He's only just kind of ticked over the age of 30. And he's only just kind of getting in his groove. And uh, he's been out te- teaching and people are flooding around him. And he's hanging out with his disciples, his 12 merry men. And he, and he said to them, late that day, Jesus said to those disciples, let's go across to the other side. They, they, they were t- teaching by the side of a lake. I said, let's go across to the other side of this lake, the Sea of Galilee. So they took him in the boat as he was. Other boats also came along. Jesus, you know, people just couldn't get enough of him. So other boats came along. And a huge storm came up. Waves poured into the boat. This wasn't like a, a, a rowboat, okay? It's not like a dinghy. This was, this was a, like a big, you know, for the day fishing vessel. Some of the guys in that in Jesus 12 were fishermen. And uh, you, know, you can't fit 12 people into a rowboat. I mean, this is a, a decent boat, 13 including Jesus. And the waves were such that they were pouring over the side of the boat, threatening to sink it. Some of you, this is a metaphor for your life right now. Some of you I know, and some of you I know your stories right now, you're actually in the boat and the waves are crashing over the edge of your boat threatening to sink it and and you need a miracle and i'm glad that you're here one of the most important things i want to do i want to i want to do a bit of myth busting though some people think that if we're experiencing storms in life it must it must be because because you're out of the will of god and that's a myth not only were these guys not out of the will of God, they actually followed Jesus <laughs> into the boat. In fact, getting into the boat was his idea. He called them to follow him into the boat. They were following Jesus and, and, and with Jesus, you know, meters away from Jesus. Literally. And, and even then, despite being so close to Jesus, storms came threatening to sink that boat so it's a myth if anyone says well you know you must be out of the will of god sometimes you could be right smack in the epicenter of the will of god and the epicenter of a storm simultaneously sometimes the storms of life are our doing we can't blame anyone else we've made unwise decisions and consequences happen but not always we live in a broken world and we face an enemy who's out to get us. His job's to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he's pretty intent on doing the best he can in every one of our lives. There's sometimes circumstances or other people's decisions can actually affect us and cause storms to happen in our life. You know, I remember Louis' parents years ago, they, they had a business in partnership with another family. And they'd been working for years in that business working to get ahead and build that business up and 
after many, many years, it came out that the, the, the business partner had been embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars of the, of the money from that business. And uh, they didn't do anything wrong. You know, Louis' parents didn't do anything wrong, but they, that business, obviously, when that came out in the wash, closed down and, they, and they, they were left with nothing. It was a storm of life for them. They had to start over. They had, you know, Louis' dad, I think, at the time, was in his late 50s, had to go out and get a job. But no matter the source of the storm, there are some things we can learn from this story, some of the principles, some of the things that that, that we can apply to our lives when we're in a storm. Some of you are in a storm right now. Some of you have just come out of a storm. All of us, whether we're in a storm or not right now, we will face a storm in the future. Okay? We need to learn what God would have us do in that. So the waves are crashing over the boat. And Jesus was in the stern. Now, is Baden not here this morning? I, I, need it. I don't know which end that is. Yeah, okay. All right. Plane, boat. Yeah. The stern. Does anyone know the stern? Is that the front or the back? Bow, stern, back? Back. Bow is the front. Yes. Didn't need Baden. So Jesus was in the back. Why don't they just say the back? Head on a pillow sleeping this is while the storms are crashing over the side of the boat about to sink it the disciples roused him saying teacher is it nothing to you that we're going down have you ever asked questions of god when you've been in a storm god how in the world did you let me get into this huh Or, and or, as those waves keep lapping over the edge of your boat, God, why in the world, if I love you and I'm trying to follow you and do your will, how come I'm still in this flipping storm? See, we ask these questions, we ask these questions of God. Teacher, is it? Nothing to you that we're going down. Now, this is, a, this is an understandable response. Some of these guys were fishermen. They had been in that boat on that body of water many, many times. Some of them grew up. They did their apprenticeship, etc., etc. The fact that they thought that this is the end meant this was probably the end. Okay. I used to fly for my job about six months of the year and uh, flying, you know, the novelty wore off pretty quickly, uh, especially because I flew economy all the time as well. Um, one thing I learned, though, sometimes you'd go through turbulence on a, on a flight, you know, pretty regularly, actually, right? Marnie knows this. She, she, she she's, uh, gets it. Some of you FIFO guys get it. Um, you know, turbulence happens. It just happens, right? And and most of the time, you just business as usual. Just if you've been reading, just keep reading. If you're watching a movie, just keep watching a movie. No need to panic. Just you know, just a bit of turbulence. Carry on. Uh, some people, if they don't, don't fly regularly or haven't flown in a while, they might start to panic when when the uh, captain comes over the 
the uh, the PA system and says, you know, would the would everyone take their seats? And the seatbelt sign light comes on, and you know, but that's not. You don't need to panic. Then it's no big deal. That's pretty normal. Some people they start to panic when 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 the captain says, would all of the flight crew take their seats and put your seatbelts on? Well. Uh, but when you, when you fly regularly, you, just, you, you can't even let that stuff get to you. My cue was when any of the paid employees on that plane started to have a look of terror in their face. <laughs> That's when I started to panic. When the paid professionals who fly all the time, more than I did, were freaking out. Here, here, here they are in a boat where these paid professional fishermen are freaking out, saying we're actually about to drown. They weren't going to Jesus to ask him to calm the storm because they didn't even know he was capable of that. And I'll talk about that in a minute. They just couldn't believe that he was so indifferent to the fact. They thought he, he must have had a death wish, suicide kind of resignation. Don't, don't you even care that we're about to, to die, to drown? It's a pretty valid question, right? I mean, but given the, the, the perspective that we have now, and we're not in the boat, and we can kind of helicopter up and, and take a, a calm, objective approach to this, I wonder if there would have been a better question. Instead of just saying to Jesus, don't you even care that we're going to drown? What if they'd said, Jesus, do you know something that we don't know? Is there some insight that you have? Is there something that you've got up your sleeve that, that we don't know anything about that's causing you to be so calm in the, in the, in, 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 in the, in the midst of impending doom? Wouldn't that have been a better question? But, you know, fair enough. I don't know that we'd have asked that either. The question I want to ask today, the big question, and it... And, 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 I'd imagine many of you have asked this question, is why is it that God actually allows storms to happen? He doesn't cause them all. But, but why does he allow storms to happen? Why does he allow us to make unwise decisions that would take us to a place where the storms of life would come over? Why, would, why does he allow business partners to screw you over? Why does he allow uh, uh, family members to, to cause incredible turmoil in your life? Why does he cause financial stre- uh, allow financial pressure and stress to, 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 to become the normal for seasons of our life. Why does God allow storms in our life? You know, I've just boiled it down to two big, big ideas. One is that in the storms, they teach us to depend on him. They teach us to depend on him and, and they force us to actually ask the question, who is Jesus really? See, the disciples, as I said, this was early in Jesus' career. He hadn't done the big kind of miracle things yet. So much so that, that they were just following him because 
the practice of the day was for young men to, to, to hook up with a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher, and spend several years being mentored by that teacher. And, and they simply saw Jesus as a good teacher. You understand? He was on the, the back of the boat, and they walked up to him. They didn't say, Jesus, Savior of the world, the guy that's going to die and, and, and rise again. Can you calm this storm? They didn't know any of that. They just, their, their understanding of who Jesus was limited what they went to him with. They thought of him as a teacher, so they went up to him, woke him up, and they said, just simply said, Teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going down? Who, who, who is Jesus to you? Because I understand it. They, they didn't know Jesus could calm the storm. So they didn't bother asking him to calm the storm. Who's Jesus to you? What's he capable of? Because if, if we don't think he's capable of something, we wouldn't bother praying and asking him to answer that prayer. If, if, if that person in Tony Chavero's life didn't think that Jesus was capable of, of seeing the bones in his legs reformed to such a way that allowed him to walk again, they wouldn't have bothered praying for that. Teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going down? Awake now, Jesus told the wind to pipe down and said to the sea, quiet, settle down. The wind ran out of breath. The sea became smooth as glass. And Jesus reprimanded the disciples. Why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? And, and, I think he was being a bit harsh on them. They didn't know he could do this. Don't you have any faith at all? The, 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 the answer up to that point would have been, not in that. That was bloody impressive. <laughs> Didn't know you could do that. Wow. Awesome. They were in absolute awe, staggered. Who is this anyway? This is no regular lettuce and tomato rabbi, Jewish teacher. This this is this is something off of a shelf that we didn't even know existed. Wind and sea at his beck and call. You know, one of the biggest crimes that too many churches have committed over the years, one of the biggest lies that, that has been perpetuated is that Jesus is weak. We see the oil paintings where a, a blue-eyed, smiley-faced man with a beard and long hair is, is holding a little lamb. And, and we give these to little kids as gifts and put them in the Bible on little cards. And that's Jesus. He holds lambs. If you've got a little lamb, give it to Jesus. He won't eat it. Your lamb is safe with him. And, and, and that's it. That's, that's the image that a lot of churches have portrayed Jesus as. Jesus weak and mild. And, and that's, not, that's not 
what Jesus did when the storm came. Jesus yelled at that storm and told it, quiet, be still. He commanded and commands the waves, the sea, the air to obey him. But if we don't think he's capable of something, we don't go to him and ask him to do it. If we don't think he can perform a miracle, we wouldn't bother asking him to perform that miracle. We need to get a better understanding of what Jesus is capable of. We need to get a better understanding of just how freaking powerful Jesus is. He is more powerful than we can get our head around. He's more powerful than some of you grew up learning. Some of you who didn't grow up in a church... You've been spared some of that rubbish and you're here now and I'm glad you're here now because you need to know that the Jesus that you're either following or looking for is powerful beyond your imagination. And if we settle for Jesus weak and mild and the best thing we can do is ask him to look after our pets, we have just sold him short and sold our possibilities short in the process. You know, I just two days ago read something that uh, the Renaissance genius Michelangelo said. He said, the greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it's too low and we achieve it. Don't underestimate Jesus. Depend on him. It's one of the reasons he lets us go into these storms. How else would the disciples have known he's capable of calming the storms if they weren't in the storm in the first place with him, right? And then in the storm, and as we progress through the storm, God uses that to build our faith. There's an African proverb that says, Smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. Some of you Africans heard that. Hakuna Matata, if you have. (laughs) Smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. Down on the South Perth foreshore, there's there's surf cats or catamarans that you can hire out for a 30-minute or 60-minute little joyride. And uh, I used to do that pretty regularly. Um, Haven't done it for a little while, but I used to go down there with a couple of my buddies. And uh, you got on. And, uh, you know, they, the, the guys that would rent the, the surf cat or the catamaran to you, that's, they, they, would, they would tell you which way the wind's blowing. And so they say, you know, you've got to head in that direction to kind of be kind of against the wind. And then, and then what you do is you turn around and then, and then you come back. And that's why I don't go anymore because it's like doing that three or four times, I'm bored to snores. You know, I go out, turn around, come back. And what do you do then? Well, what you do is you turn around and you go out and then you turn around and you come back. And what do you do then? Oh, well, then you turn around and you go, oh my God, you know, I'm flipping out. Anyway, some people get into that. So I know I was doing it one time with a couple of my buddies and, and these guys grew up sailing. These guys grew up, you know, with the, the dinghy and the little, you know, the little ones you see in the Olympics and that sort of thing. They're two brothers, Simon and Marcus, absolute knuckleheads and uh, good, you know, like they were our best mates at the time. We went out surf catting together and uh, I was on one surf cat with Marcus and Simon had the other one to himself. 
And, uh, you know, I took the helm to start with because it was, it was uh, pretty calm. And I just, I just did what the guy on the, that, that, that rented the thing said. He just said, go out there. So I go out there and, you know, hold the, this rope and hold that rudder. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, right. Turn around before a ferry hits you. Sure, turn around, come back. Did that. Then, uh, then, uh, then Marcus took over. Uh, well, actually, then it started to get a little bit exciting because he knew how to tack and, 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 and go against the wind and do all this clever stuff. And so did his brother. And so so we, I just sat there and the two of them turned these surf cats into uh, bumper cars. <laughs> Decided that, that who, who could, they, they had a competition as to who could, who could knock the other one off their catamaran first. And... Um, we we won that comp. Well, I say we was my, but you know my catamaran. We won that comp. We we went and we t-boned Simon. And you got to do it far out so the guy that rented it doesn't see you. And uh, we t-boned him like it was just it was beautiful. And and threw Simon off the back of his surf cat into the water. And by the way, that's not very nice water. Threw him into the water, and all you could see. It's a surf cat and nobody on it. And uh, we, we just sail away, you know, pretty proud of ourselves, laughing as, you know, boys do when you cause destruction to someone else. And then I glanced around and this uh, skipperless other surf cat was coming for us because my experienced sailor friend, Simon, that we'd knocked off, was hanging on by this tiny bit of rope somehow, his head under the water, bobbing up, bobbing up, whilst pulling another bit of the rudder, and he was coming at us like like the Jaws movie. All you saw was the thing above the water, but actually what was under was Simon controlling this surf cat. And uh, I said to him afterwards, mate, like, where did you learn that? And he, and he told me, yeah, I learned that growing up sailing boats in stormy waters, you would get thrown over all the time. And I became a great, great sailor in the stormy waters. Smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. <laughs> what do you think those 12 disciples, having seen Jesus just calm this storm, what do you think they would have done next time Jesus asked them out for a boat trip? No, I think it would be the opposite of no thanks. It would be like, hope the storms come up. We get to see Jesus do that again. They'd been telling their friends, no doubt. Yeah, I reckon they would have been out flogging tickets to their friends. Mate, come out. You've got to see that. And, and, and praying for storms. Oh, we don't want to just go out with Jesus on a boat where it's smooth, boring. No, we want those life-threatening waves to come again because we know what Jesus can do when the storms come. You know, Jesus doesn't promise a life that's storm-free. 
He does promise a life that's storm-proof. Those disciples wouldn't have seen that miracle if they jumped overboard at the first sign of danger. They stuck with Jesus. And Jesus did what only Jesus can do. The trouble is in storms, we want God to do a removing job when often he wants to do an improving job. And I've seen people change jobs, change cities, change spouses, change churches, do a removing job when God actually had them in a storm for a season to do an improving job. I'm not saying there are no circumstances where you shouldn't remove yourself, okay? But discern the difference between being in a storm that God's allowed because he wants to do and teach and show and demonstrate and build faith You know, Louis and I, we've been through tons of storms. And, and, and then we keep getting into new ones. But when we get into a new one, we, we, just, we just have a quick glance in the rearview mirror. And we look at all the storms that we have already gotten through that Jesus allowed us to get into. And caused us to get through. Not storm free, but storm proof. And you're the same. And you need to be telling those stories to your kids. You need to be reminding one another of those stories. You need to be telling those stories to your unchurched friends. Jesus does more than just look after your pets. Jesus calms storms, let me tell you, in a time when he did. You need to remind yourself because when the next storm comes along, you should be selling tickets, not avoiding getting on the boat. So this month, we're going to continue to look at miracles because some of us have underestimated Jesus' power and therefore underestimated our potential as we follow him. We're going to reach for more. We're going to ask for more, we're going to trust for more and I want to encourage you to make a list your miracle list and we're going to keep speaking faith into you we're going to keep praying for you and I want you to be telling those stories about answered prayer about miracles if you grew up in a church that, that, that said miracles didn't happen, I'm glad you're here so that nonsense can be erased and the truth be deposited in your life. If you didn't grow up in a church, God bless you. I'm glad you're here because this is you can get a picture from God's word, not from some traditions of who Jesus is and what he can do in your life. Some of you need breakthrough financially. Some of you need breakthrough relationally. Some of you need breakthrough 
physically in your health. Some of you need breakthrough emotionally. Some of you need breakthrough in your career or your business. Make this more than ever the time you present that to God and say, I need that miracle. You know, the greatest miracle of all that Jesus pulled off. You know, Louis is going to be speaking in four weeks' time, and we were driving here this morning. And, uh, and I said to her, oh, sweetheart, you know, in, in, in three weeks, four weeks' time, you're going to be preaching on when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. She goes, ah, oh, great. That's fantastic. You lumped me with the big one, you know, raising someone from the dead, the big one. And I said, honey, that ain't the big one. The big one was when Jesus raised himself from the dead. I mean, don't get me wrong. Raising someone else from dead, well, it was pretty impressive. We are going to preach about it. It's worth a Sunday at least. But raising yourself from the dead when you're the dead one. That's pretty cool. And uh, earlier on we had a little bit of cracker and a little bit of juice. And we just paused to remind ourselves of, 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 of what that means and, and why Jesus did that. And he did that for each and every one of us. And he did that. And as Stuart was leading us in worship this morning, reminding us, he did that for people that we know and love that aren't here this morning. And they don't know that, that Jesus died for them. And we have a mission. But I'm going to give some of you the opportunity this morning to respond to what Jesus did for you. Some of you, it's a kind of a new deal to, to, to hear this idea that Jesus died and rose again for you and he calls you to follow him he calls us to follow him and some of you already responded to that call and and we need to respond to that call every single day but some of you you've never responded to that call for the first time where jesus says believe in me follow me i want to give you that opportunity just as we finish right now to, to to say yes to him to say jesus i want to follow you and what I want to do real simply is, is for those of you that need to make that decision, I want you to put your hand up. You just say, Mark, you know what? That's my decision this morning. I want to follow you, Jesus. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And we're just going to pray for you right where you are. I'll pray from the front. We don't want to finish up and, and let you go without giving you this opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. So right now, if you've never made that decision before, whether you've never been in a church building before or whether you've been around a church for a long time, whatever your situation is, the question is simply this. If you've never said to Jesus, I want to follow you, then right now you put your hand up. You say, today I want to make that decision. I want to start following Jesus. When I see your hand, you can put it down. So just let me look around our auditorium just quickly, a couple of times. I don't want to miss anybody. The rest of us praying. If you've never made that decision, Just slip your hand up. You say, yeah, I want to start following you today, Jesus. Okay, guys, this is the biggest miracle of all. When somebody says yes to make Jesus their Lord. That's my biggest prayer for this month. I'm all for us seeing financial miracles, relational miracles, physical miracles. My prayer as Elevate Church is God will use us even more this month than we've ever seen him use us before to see people connect with him and make him their Lord for the very first time. That our graph of our salvations would go north, not east-west.
Put that on your list. That's the greatest miracle of all. Great. Well, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this, this looking at mirror. I mean, I literally couldn't wait to get here this morning to just to look at this story because we need to know this. We need to know who Jesus really is. So make sure you're here. 929. Expectant. Faith-filled. Prayed in advance. List ready. With somebody. And uh, we're going to keep looking at great, great miracle stories of Jesus. Now, one of the great miracles of creation is coffee. And uh, I give you thanks every day. Oh. Oh. I've got, I, I even brought a brand new coffee cup to enjoy it. And it's Guatemala Antigua this morning. And I say, chapeau. Great, guys. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.